nearly quarter past ten. Time to welcome back Steve Vines. How are I, you? I'm hoping to become a bourgeois. You already are, don't it? you A bourgeois worry. something? A bourgeois construct. A bourgeois, a bourgeois concept. Bu- <laughs> concept, yes. <laughs> the word you're yes. thinking of starts with B. <laughs> so, yeah, 19 years ago today. Yeah, 19 years ago today, um, we were liberated from oppressive British rule. We were. I think we can leave it at that. Shall I leave now? You can do. You've done a great job. <laughs> I think, well I think that's do you, all. Everybody, do you remember, you know, did you party or did you... No, I was... Were you writing? I, 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 was, you were. I was working like a dog that day because uh, we obviously were covering it. I was working for The Independent then and it was our... our Funnily enough, not the only, independent. You can't say that word on this program. Well, I know. I'm sorry, and I do apologise to the listener for that. But uh, we, we, we were doing a four-page spread, which was a wraparound cover and an inside, so there was lots of space to fill. Yeah. And all I remember of the day was the sheer awful logistics of it, because it was absolutely bucketing down with rain. It was. So what I had this cunning plan of going to the first set piece event was a um, a big thing in Tamar, the old Tamar, with Prince Charles and <laughs> I thought Patton. you could say, the real one. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Prince Charles and Patton were, were, were doing a, a, a departure ceremony there, ahead of the ceremony in, in what is now the convention centre. Yeah. And I thought, well, I'll sit there with the old typewriter and, you know, <laughs> type it out. And uh, we actually, I do believe, had computers by then. But anyway, I, I, but the point was, I couldn't open the computer because it would have got waterlogged. So I couldn't... My cunning plan of, of of writing that up and then going back... We, we'd set up a temporary office in one show because yeah. some other people came in from London. I mean, it was, it was, you know, it was... God, it was high-tech beyond belief. So anyway, so I had to bustle back there. The trouble was I was so damp that every time I tried to type, mm. I was sort of pouring water into the keyboard. I just thought... That is the... That I, is the I really bye-bye. got... <laughs> I really got to dry out before I do this. So we, we got terribly behind um and there was lots of you know we were trying to do vox pops we were trying to follow the set piece events so there was the big set piece event in in the convention center yeah and in the end we we decided so i was supposed to go to that but in in the end we decided that i would go up to the border with um a colleague and we would see the the pla troops coming in yeah through the through um it wasn't at Lowu, it was another border um, entry. Uh, anyway, the point was that we, we were standing there and it was still bucketing, well, bucketing it, it down. it didn't stop, did it? It did not stop. So in the end, we found this hall, and I'm not proud of doing this, but did have to do it. That there, was a, there was a changing room, which various performers who'd been lined up to do a performance that they couldn't do because it was too wet mm. were hanging around. And I don't know how, how this happened, but I ordered them out of their own changing room <laughs> <laughs> on the grounds that I had to phone in the story. And to my utter amazement, they all left. <laughs> I thought you were going to say the only clothes you could find was a PLA uniform. <laughs> <laughs> well, but what I do remember is do you, they sent in these blokes who, who were chosen for being tall. So they were all about six foot. Really? They were sitting in the back of these open back trucks, rigidly at attention, I mean, I don't know how they managed that, because it really was storming down. So we were trying to sort of do a story with some of this atmosphere. I, I, I hope we managed to do it. But were you making all the noises <laughs> in the background? You, you know, yourself. Well, it was, it was written. Helicopters. So. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we, we managed to get the, the last edition, because this was, as you know, they did that at the stroke of midnight. Yeah. Which is... Um, 
uh, eight hours ahead of well, no, seven. it's summertime. It's seven, seven yeah. hours ahead of of, of of London time at the time. So we were perilously close to deadline. By the time we got through, I mean, you know, things were not quite as easy. Communications were not quite as easy as they seem to be today. Yeah. Particularly, as I say, we I, I couldn't file this story until I found a dry spot because it was in, impossible to open the computer or indeed the telephone. So dictated the story back in. And there was this strange feeling, because in the streets, it was in fact, I think we were, then we went to Shangshui, which is near the border, and people were genuinely very excited by seeing all these troops coming in, and and then you sort of asked them, so what do you expect to happen? And they went, oh, well, we're reunited with the motherland. So, oh, okay, I have to write all that down. But then, actually, after doing the story, I came back into town, and I don't think that people were that excited i'm not saying this with 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 hindsight i think at the time people were just most people i talked to were just thinking oh god what next a bit like brexit really yeah well you know i wrote some blather on my notes this morning about the royal marines having to dump their uniforms but it's true i just happened to talk to this army guy who was one of the logistics fellows and he said you know the royal marines band they they talk about kit this ceremonial uniform these big white helmets well they were the the people who were in the convention center yeah and they were at the tamar ceremony yeah (coughs) these things must be worth squillions of dollars and they had to chuck it all out because the aeroplane wouldn't have been able to take off with all this wet kit in it. Oh, is that right? Millions of pounds, not do- well, yeah. no, thousands of pounds. Yeah, I'm sure that's right. Yeah, but anyway, that's what I remember. Here, here, here we are, 19 years on, and um, I don't know whether people are in a great mood to celebrate the. the they don't the seem glorious, to be. Um, achievements of particularly the Long Chong Ying regime. Do you know, here's approval rating. Now, I looked this up before coming in. Here we go. And I've written it on a piece of paper, so it must all be true. His current approval rating has soared to 38%. That's that's by his mates. That's both of them. Uh, um, But, but, no, that's not the approval. That's that's something called his popularity rating is 38%. But if you look at his actual approval rate, number of people... Um, surveyed to approve him. That that's a heady nineteen. That's one nine percent. The disapproval rate is sixty one percent. So I'm I'm sort of guessing that's not a good figure. Well, we always have to say this: uh, who's it's a poll, who's doing it, blah blah blah. Yeah, well, it's a perfectly that thing, respectable that, that thing that was leaked from the Central Policy Unit. Which is that? Well, a, a, a survey of a similar nature. It was, oh, it was oh, meant to be done behind well, closed doors. That's Maybe right, it's this, which which right. showed the same sort of findings. But oops, yeah. So, so there, there's our boy, Carpenter's fan, baggage handler extraordinaire, <laughs> and chief executive on the few days that he comes to Hong Kong from his travels overseas, um, who thinks, God, this is not good, this is not good, this is not good. Oh, I tell you what, I found a populist thing. I'm going to say it. So he's doing a set-piece interview for the South China Morning Post, which appeared this week, and he says in it, absolutely terrible that link management that's taken over all the housing authorities commercial properties you know the markets the wet markets the shops etc ah do you know they're behaving just like a private organization they're not showing any social responsibility i'm thinking gosh mr lung weren't you in the property business all your working life didn't you know that property companies operate for profit like when the government handed over these properties from the housing authority to the link management and said to the link management not only do you take up this property but you form yourselves into a public company what was it that he didn't understand about the fact that they would perform 
I know, like a private company. (laughs) But moreover, like a private company with shareholders. So in law, their primary responsibility is not to the tenants, not to the consumers, it is to their shareholders. And as the link management themselves uh, pointed out in the wake of these vast criticisms by Mr. Leung, who suddenly discovered this cause... Incidentally, he's suddenly going to discover that all of these um, companies that, that the government employs now, you know, to take over the jobs like security men, he's going to s- discover... Um, oh, is anyone listening? I, I, don't, I hope nobody knows this. He's going to discover that some of those chaps are rather elderly and uh, are not getting paid much. Yeah. Gosh, who knew? Yeah. It's an interesting <clears> one, this, though, because, yes, their, their responsibility is to their shareholders. We hear that all the time. But you'd think we're on a razor blade edge here in Hong Kong, a bit of social responsibility. Well, there's, nothing, a long, long way. <clears throat> there's nothing wrong with that. But the fact of the matter is, the reason why people are so dissatisfied with the link is it's located mainly, uh, well, I think almost uh, either 100% or almost 100% in areas adjacent to public housing, in other yeah. words, people with low incomes. And what's happening in these shopping centres is all the old traditional, you know, mum and pop stores run by a family are being squeezed out and the, the usual suspects of the big chains are moving in and they charge big chain prices and local residents, not only shops, but there was sort of, you know, in, in these areas you used to have the bloke who fixed your tap and the, the, the bloke who fixed the lighting and, and, you know, there were lots of other things that happened in the old regime, admittedly in very, in very unsatisfactory, rather dirty um, markets and, and commercial centres. But nonetheless, all these facilities at quite low cost were available to people of, of modest means. They've all been, well, not all of them, but most of them are being squeezed out. Mm. And the link says, well, you know, we're a commercial company. We've got to maximise profit. That's what we're there for. So when the government decided in its ultimate wisdom that they wanted to change the system and bring in this great new era of private enterprise, they were absolutely staggered to, to learn that private enterprise exists to, uh, oh, that's right, make a profit. Make money. Yeah. 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 I mean, what, what was it that they didn't understand? I mean, the sheer bald face hypocrisy of suddenly discovering something that anybody There's a with fence. half a brain knew. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> well, I... I you know, I'm just, you know, on, talk on the sh- one hand and on the other. Isn't there talk of shunting up public housing rent as well? Oh, that's only going up by 10%. Oh, so, that's all right. So that's they can right. afford it. And, and anyway, they're the undeserving poor. As Lee ka famously said the other week when he was talking about how perhaps some more money, he goes, oh, well, there's a difference between the deserving and the undeserving people who are going to get this money. What's that supposed to mean? Yeah, exactly. What's that supposed what to mean? What do you think that means? Because that's... Uh, I, I, if I was a multi-squillionaire who was talking pompously about who was entitled to funds, I, I'd, um, I'd let you know, but I'm not. These people are so poor they can't pay attention. I mean, there's no kidding. I mean, the scandal in Hong Kong is that the, the, the serious poor people in Hong Kong are the working poor. That's what's so... Astru- That's the grey area, isn't it, apparently? Well, the point is that you're still working and you still can't make ends but, meet. But on paper, you're like, oh, you've on got paper, a job. you've got a job, everything good. So, you know, in... In Britain, where I come from, there's lots of talk about people Ooh, living there's off... there's a lot of talk there off, right now, off, isn't there? <laughs> well, they, they talk about people living off Social Security and they say, you know, they don't do a day's work and they expect the state to bail them out. In Hong Kong, it just isn't true. Oh. The people who finding very hard to make ends meet are those people who are in full-time employment and still they can't get enough money to cover their very basic needs. We can't avoid but to say, when it comes to topics like this... 
remind 19 years, nearly 20 years, da, 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 da. this is a mark of time. Things like this, uh, you know, did we think that night we talked well, about, you th- know, that it would did, be the did, case did, now? Did, I mean, I must say that, I, as ever, you know, one of the worst things you can do as a journalist is try and bring out the crystal ball and uh, say this, this and that will happen. One of the things that I nonetheless did think would happen, and unfortunately it's happened even more rapidly and in greater greater um, extent than, than perhaps most people feared, is this very quick erosion of one country, two systems. I mean, the idea that personal liberty, freedoms that Hong Kong had enjoyed, rule of law, all of these things would remain in place for 50 years, untouched, well, always we... seemed inherently implausible to me. What I didn't think was that we'd be 19 years out from the new system being installed. And all of those things have come into question. Mm. Rule of law is being challenged by authoritative voices. But why? Is this just, an, is this just to put it really <clears throat> simply, impatience? Like, I think it's the inevitable um, difficulty of operating one country, two systems. I mean, the one country part of it is stronger and will inevitably assert itself. But isn't I'm not a- saying that's a good thing. I'm just saying it was always a challenge for this to work. And unfortunately, particularly under the current leadership, that yeah. challenge is being not met. It's just being abandoned. But if you look at the way things are going right now, isn't this a prime... I mean, everybody says Hong Kong, free economy, free business, boom, boom, boom. This, isn't this a prime... Yeah, I heard ex- that as I... Uh, no, 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 <laughs> but this is the way, you know, the office of the world in some ways. Isn't this a prime... I don't understand the, the ease with which the big boys seem to be doing that bodily thing in their own nest. Well, because because ideology always triumphs in in one party cost? state. Well, Any in cost. all costs, in all costs. I mean, have you ever heard of a dictatorship that behaves entirely rationally? They don't, be- precisely because they have unfettered power. And we come and from un- one of the most rational countries in the world, you and I, don't we? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, in that same interview, I love to see um, see my Leung smirking over, over the British referendum. You know, <laughs> we don't know any of that here. He's quite right. We don't know that election nonsense here, yeah. and and the result has been absolute perfection. We've got about a minute before the news, and I just want to turn back to the Link Reed thing. Good morning to Francis. He says the Link Reed is a bourgeois construct, the song we played before. He <laughs> says, have you looked at the remuneration package of the Link's CEO, Yowza, says Francis. I haven't, actually. Yes, and, and most of it is discretionary. I've got better things to do. <laughs> well, no, but most of it is discretionary. I think that's the point he's making. Um, so he has a basic pay package, and then the rest is based on how much misery he can cause to the Link's tenants. And the more misery is that he the can scale? cause... Yeah, well, I think it's called profit. But, um, you know, the more profit they can, they can screw out of the tenants, the more he gets paid. So there is a built-in incentive. Yeah. And gosh... Have you ever heard of that in a property company before? Don't mm. think I have. This, uh, most, uh, most, most unknown territory. It's an interesting topic, this one, and it's a hard one to, to, to get around without getting hot under the collar. Where is the amount of money that the big boss of company X earns sort of related to... The, but nor- normally, I mean, this is pretty... It's, it's pretty, a money company, so he's going to get wedged up, isn't he? That, you know, if your company's made, you know, 29 squillion and you're the year, CEO, and you're the CEO, you say... I'm owed 10% of that. Thank you very much. We'll be back after the news. (laughs) Radio 3. Weather. Okay, it's going to be very hot with sunny periods, isolated showers and moderate southerly winds. Next few days, I think they don't quite know because it's this hot and showery. 
Very hot weather warning. 31 degrees, 75% relative humidity. 10.30, Sam has the headlines. The controversial former city mayor in the Philippines, Rodrigo Duterte, is due to be sworn in as president today. The firebrand politician is promising a ruthless war on crime as the chief focus of his six-year term. President Obama says there are concerns about the long-term health of the global economy following Britain's vote to leave the European Union. He also scoffed at suggestions that Britain could retain access to the EU single market without any strings attached. And the United States, Canada and Mexico say they've achieved an historic agreement to get 50% of their energy supply from green sources within a decade. I'll have the full stories at 11 o'clock. This is The Morning Brew on Hong Kong's favourite talk and music station, Radio 3.
Smoking cigarettes or e-cigarettes in statutory no-smoking areas are both offences and liable to a fixed penalty of $1,500. E-cigarettes may contain formaldehyde, a Group One cancer-causing agent which is hazardous to health. They also create secondhand vapor. E-cigarettes containing nicotine are pharmaceutical products requiring registration in Hong Kong. Quit smoking now. Department of Health Smoking Cessation Hotline: one eight three three one eight three.
New Order on Radio 3 and Tutti Fruity, 20 minutes to 11 for a grimy Thursday morning. And who's here to cheer you up? Uncle Steve Vines. I hope not cheer you up. No, I'm that's Julie. the wrong phrase. Don't call me Julie. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, uh, uh, and seriously, though, this isn't a, a cheerful subject, but we're, we, we have news now of the death of Xu Jiatun, who was head of the new China news agency prior to the handover. Yeah. And what's interesting, he died at the age of 100 and he died in Los Angeles in exile because he was told that he was going to be purged for his activities um, particularly his activities in the wake of the Tiananmen massacre when he did two very notable things well, one was to go out of the um, Xinhua office and, and see people who were protesting there went out and spoke to them mm. I mean, can you imagine nowadays such a thing happening somebody from Western during the many, many protests they have outside the office, going out and saying, I'd like to chat to you about your concerns. Un un uh, just unbelievable. Anyway, he, he was a lifelong member of the Communist Party. He you know, fought as a guerrilla during the Japanese War. He was, he, was, he, was, he was the real McCoy as far as um, veteran communists were concerned. But, you know, in the new order, that wasn't good enough to save him. So... In his dotage, he was very keen to go back to the mainland and put out all sorts of feelers mm. to the authorities in Beijing, saying, Look, you know, I'm, I think he was about 90 at the time, I'm 90 years old, I can hardly be a threat to you, can I come home? And they basically said something that ended with the word off. Um, so, you know, but I mean, I just reflect on this. He, you know, he he was a Chinese official. He was he was bitterly opposed to democratic reform in Hong Kong. But the point about him was, and it's compare and contrast time. Mm. He kept he kept his lines of communication open with the Democrats. He had quite good relations, particularly with Sito um, Wa, who apparently he spoke to on a reasonably regular basis. Yet again, I mean, in the new era. So this is. This is before the handover occurred. In the new era, when China is, in fact, the sovereign state, when the people in Western represent directly the, the, the government, do you see any of them engaged in this sort of activity? It just doesn't happen. Why not? And b because of the hard line up north, you know. I mean, the, the line is for us or against us. If you're for us, come in and have a cup of tea. If you're against us, you'll, you, you can have... Get someone else you, to test it first, though. Yeah, you can have one meeting a year or something and we'll sit there and say, oh, hello, goodbye, you know. Mm. But, we're, you know, for example, um, when Jiang Dejiang came to Hong Kong, indeed, some of the Democrats were invited, but they, they were sort of given you know, a few moments to speak to him and basically told, right, that's, that's the level of communication. It's all ceremonial. It's very, very in interesting, it, that, that it's... Well, it's, but it's not real communication. And the point <laughs> is, you know, in, in more... <laughs> I, I say this with a slight laugh because it's kind of so obvious, yet you have to keep saying it. You know, more open societies, people who are opposed to you aren't necessarily the enemy. They just have a different point of view. Yeah. And you can have a level of dialogue with them. You may end up not agreeing with them. In fact, highly likely you won't agree with them. But you understand that their opposition is legitimate. But, of course, in, you know, in a one-party state, no opposition is legitimate. It's all threatening to the security of the state. But, again, to boil it right down, if, if you want to, it, this comes down to fear. I mean, look at history books. Well, it's, all, it, it's all about fear. It is all about fear. I mean, it shows you that however mighty these regimes look, they are t totally paranoid and totally fearful of challenge. And, you know, 
I'm sorry to keep going back to this because I'm sure the listener's been fed up with listening to anything about Brexit. But the point is, the point is, the point is that 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 was a body blow for the British establishment. It was a body blow for all the major parties, for big business. I mean, you name anybody on the list. But the fact of the matter is, is I don't think the result of the body blow will be that anyone is seriously arguing that Britain will somehow go under or that the, the, the current form of government will go under. It may well result in the United Kingdom being split up as Scotland goes on its merry way, which I suppose is almost inevitable now. Mm. It may even result in Northern Ireland becoming part of a United Ireland, another long-running issue. All of these things are possible, but the fact of the matter is that nobody is going to say, oh, I tell you what, the best way for Britain to survive is to install a dictatorship in London, stop having elections, stop having any form of representative government. That's the way forward. I haven't heard a single person saying that, including everybody on the losing side of the argument, because Mm. they know that the system ultimately will deliver a form of stability. Rocky path before that happens, very rocky path before that happens. Let me ask you this, something that's puzzled me. I mean, we all all know how the vote went. We all followed it that day, etc., etc. But people who voted to leave, uh, it's been said that it was all emotions and and, uh, anxiety and anger and blah, blah, blah. Everybody's got their own story, basically. But I don't know where it says there are rules that if you vote one way or the other, you have to do it for these reasons. Joe Schmo is like, I've had enough. And this is my chance to do something, yeah. whatever it is, about yeah. it. Where, where does it say that they have it, to have a serious political it, it motive? It really doesn't say that, does it? You know, so, their family's been chartered yeah, for whatever reasons, yeah. and they're going to test the no I mean, you know, it, 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 it's all very well for well-heeled people like me, and, of course, I don't even live in Britain anymore, so I'm irrelevant anyway, but it's all very well for people, Two separate issues people there, like <laughs> me um, to say, you know, this is illogical, it's bad for the economy, it's bad for this. But, you know, I don't have the same reasons to be angry. I don't have the same concerns about, you know, whether my children will get jobs. All of these things are very, very real concerns. And the idea that you would take that out, and I think it's ghastly, but it is what happens. You would take that out on fear of the other, i.e. fear of immigrants. They're coming in, they're taking over. It's illogical in my view. It's dangerous definitely dangerous in my they, view that's what but think. that is what people think and you can't stop them thinking no, that you can't. and what you need to do is develop a coherent narrative and explain that you know it's not the immigrants you want to be worried about it's the people who bring them in so that they can undercut the wages of the average joe in the street who who then says well i can't get a job anymore because they're you know they're working for nothing these people i mean that happens to be true oh this is i mean the whole the whole nastiness just step away from this blinking brexit thing but the whole nastiness in the uk started probably in the 1970s well you you, you can pick a point i mean there, there was a time there was a, say, there was a know? lot of nastiness on the streets of london in the but, but, 1930s but, but, as well but the immigration against, thing. well against the the wave of immigration of jewish yeah. people from eastern europe yeah. so you know i mean the, none of this is new and none of it is unique to britain all i'm saying is how is it going to be channeled and it's channeled in a nasty i mean very nasty way Seems i mean be. you've seen the outbreak of attacks 
and uh, abuse that's being held at immigrants in Britain that, you know... Well, people in look different, Steve. Let's just yeah, make it perfectly yeah. clear. It's not immigrants necessarily. Well, yeah, but some of them are Poles. I don't know how they, you know, what, what, what fine racial detector, de- detectors they have to, to, well, these, to, to I mean, identify them. But in a community, in a, <clears> don't forget, there's yeah. some tiny weeny communities there. They're going to know exactly who's not, that's you know... True. You know that's true, that's the true. The bloke who owns this shop yeah. or does the cars or does whatever. They're going to yeah. know exactly who they are. Anyway, let's move on, eh? Let's move on. Well, I mean, there's another um, uh, instance. I mean, we're talking about how the scope for opposition in Hong Kong is is narrowing and how it, it, it's permeating, how the, the collapse of the one country, two systems, is permeating everywhere of life. Well, we've seen this business at... Um, it, it keeps being reported as PolyU. In fact, it's the PolyU Community College. This is a cracker of a story. Where, where Dr um, Lao Siu Lai, she was... Um, a teacher at the community college in communication and social sciences participated in the Mongkok protests, but which are now sort of being known as the fishbowl revolution. I'm not quite sure why, but anyway. Um, um, and what she basically did was <laughs> this is extraordinary. Mm-hmm. During those protests, she 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 apparently um, set up a stall and started cooking. She was hungry. Uh, <laughs> to make a point, to make a political point. Apparently she did this um, for as long as ten minutes. Now, she was a part-time lecturer. Oh, she was apparently not flying, frying uh, fish balls. She was frying squid, which is completely different, let me tell you, as a food expert. Yes. Uh, completely different. But apparently she's now been sacked from her job. Part-time job at the university because she didn't report her earnings. You can't earnings. be sacked from that. You can just not be used again. Well, no, no, she did have a part-time contract, right. apparently. But, but, but um, uh, because she was moonlighting. Well, I mean, surely if you're part-time, the whole point is <clears throat> that the rest of the time you're going to be doing something else. What is it in the word part that's so difficult to understand? Yeah. So, I mean, this, again, looks like, and you can't be absolutely sure, but it does look like a case of this growing wave of of crackdown on people who are in the pro-democracy movement, you know, if they're employed in in public institutions, saying to them, aha, we found a cunning way to get rid of you, bye. Well, I'll tell you what, Steve, it's a massive QED of what we've been talking about all morning. Uh, It just seems to be a great deflection from the big stuff that's going on down, and it's become a sort of Jobsworth Central. It is, it is, and I think that that if the idea is to weaken the resolve of the democracy movement by saying, you know, that... Uh, locking up, you're, you're, metaphorically, well, well, metaphorically. metaphorically lock, well, there is actual some locking and up real going on. Locking up. <laughs> but, you know, is, is to say, you know, if, if you want to deal... If you want to be on that side of the fence, you know, the party's over for you. What it actually does is make people more angry. I guarantee to you that the protests tomorrow, the July the 1st, counter-protests will be a lot bigger than it was last year because you know and nobody more, will know why and they'll all go well, why was that oh and the police will report that 10 people turned up because <laughs> <laughs> nowadays the police are increasingly being told to act in a political way another very very worrying sign and the idea that the police should uh, be quite so active in trying to count the the size of political protests I don't even know why they're even supposed to do that. Their job is to provide... I wonder how anybody does it, though, actually. Well, I've seen them. I have seen them. They they literally have people standing there counting. 
the, 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 the monitor groups have people standing, you know, on bridges in the road. You sure, don't, but it's still a really it, well, inexact thing, isn't it? It's inexact. I mean, you now have aerial photography as well. There, there are aids to help you do this. <laughs> You're not this. allowed to use drones. You're not allowed <laughs> to use drones, and um, and unless you come up with the right figure, it's really not, 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 not just not cricket. Yeah, absolutely. What do you know to be the proposed vibe of this thing tomorrow? Because there's just so much going on, well, so I, many I'm, layers I'm, to it. I mean, it's going to be led by um, one of the booksellers. So that will definitely be a bribe. Uh, be a bribe, be a bribe. <laughs> God, I've got to be careful. Between the lines. You have to be very careful here, don't you? Particularly on live radio. That will definitely be something that, that people will be talking about. I imagine that people will be talking about just the general feeling of, you know, what's going on, you know? When, when cosmetics companies get dragged into the political argument and they shall remain nameless, that would be L'Oreal, um, you, you do wonder how far down the road we've gone.
Williams on RTHK Radio 3 with Sin, Sin, Sin. Thank you very much to Steve Vines. He will be back with us at the same time next Thursday. Very hot, sunny periods, isolated showers and moderate southerly winds. Today, hot with showers for the next couple of days. 31 degrees, 75% humidity and a very hot weather warning. The news is next. It's Radio 3. New order on Radio 3 and tutti frutti. 20 minutes to 11. 
for a grimy Thursday morning. And who's here to cheer you up? Uncle Steve Fines. I hope not cheer you up. No, I'm that's Julie. the wrong phrase. Don't call me Julie. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, uh, uh, and seriously, though, this isn't a, a cheerful subject, but we're, we, we have news now of the death of Xu Jiatun, who was head of the New China News Agency prior to the handover. Yeah. And what's interesting, he died at the age of 100 and he died in Los Angeles in exile because he was told that he was going to be purged for his activities um, particularly his activities in the wake of the Tiananmen massacre when he did two very notable things one was to go out of the um, Xinhua office and, and see people who were protesting there went out and spoke to them mm-hmm. I mean, can you imagine nowadays such a thing happening somebody from Western during the many, many protests they have outside the office, going out and saying, I'd like to chat to you about your concerns. Un- un- uh, just unbelievable. Anyway, he, he was a lifelong member of the Communist Party. He you know, fought as a guerrilla during the Japanese War. He was, he, was, he, was, he was the real McCoy as far as um, veteran communists were concerned. But, you know, in the new order, that wasn't good enough to save him. So... In his dotage, he was very keen to go back to the mainland and put out all sorts of feelers mm. to the authorities in Beijing, saying, Look, you know, I'm, I think he was about 90 at the time, I'm 90 years old, I can hardly be a threat to you, can I come home? And they basically said something that ended with the word off. Um, so, you know, but I mean, I just reflect on this. He, you know, he he was a Chinese official. He was he was bitterly opposed to democratic reform in Hong Kong. But the point about him was, and it's compare and contrast time. Mm. He kept he kept his lines of communication open with the Democrats. He had quite good relations, particularly with um, Sita Wa, who apparently he spoke to on a reasonably regular basis. Yet again, I mean, in the new era. So this is. This is before the handover occurred. In the new era, when China is, in fact, the sovereign state, when the people in Western represent directly the, the, the government, do you see any of them engaged in this sort of activity? It just doesn't happen. Why not? And b- because of the hard line up north, you know. I mean, the, the line is for us or against us. If you're for us, come in and have a cup of tea. If you're against us, you'll, you, you can have... Get someone else to you, test it first, though. Yeah, you can have one meeting a year or something and we'll sit there and say, oh, hello, goodbye, you know. Mm. But, we're, you know, for example, um, when Zhang Dejiang came to Hong Kong, indeed, some of the Democrats were invited, but they, they were sort of given you know, a few moments to speak to him and basically told, right, that's, that's the level of communication. It's all ceremonial. It's very, very in- interesting it, that. that it's well, it's, but it's not real communication. And the point <laughs> is, you know, in, in more... I, I, I say this with a slight laugh because it's kind of so obvious, yet you have to keep saying it. You know, more open societies, people who are opposed to you aren't necessarily the enemy. They just have a different point of view. And you can have a level of dialogue with them. You may end up not agreeing with them. In fact, highly likely you won't agree with them, but you understand that their opposition is legitimate. But, of course, in in a one-party state, no opposition is legitimate. It's all threatening to the security of the state. But, again, to boil it right down, if if you want to, this comes down to fear. I mean, look at history books. It's all all about fear. It is all about fear. I mean, it shows you that however mighty these regimes look, they are totally paranoid and totally fearful of challenge. And, you know, 
I, I'm sorry to keep going back to this because I'm sure the listener's been fed up with listening to anything about Brexit. But yeah, the point exactly. Is, yeah, yeah, he is. He the, the, the point is, the point is that, that that was a body blow for the British establishment. It was a body blow for all the major parties, for big business. I mean, you name anybody on the list. But the fact of the matter is, is I don't think a result of the body blow will be that anyone is seriously arguing that Britain will somehow go under or that the, the, the current form of government will go under. It may well result in the United Kingdom being split up as Scotland goes on its merry way, which I suppose is almost inevitable now. Mm. It may even result in Northern Ireland becoming part of a United Ireland, another long-running issue. All of these things are possible, but the fact of the matter is that nobody is going to say, oh, I tell you what, the best way for Britain to survive is to install a dictatorship in London, stop having elections, stop having any form of representative government. That's the way forward. I haven't heard a single person saying that, including everybody on the losing side of the argument, because mm. they know that the system ultimately will deliver a form of stability. Yeah. Rocky path to, before that happens, very rocky path before that happens. Let me ask you this, something that's puzzled me. I mean, we, ho we all know how the vote went. We all followed it that day, etc., etc. Um, but people who voted to leave, uh, it's been said that it was all emotions and, 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 and uh, anxiety and anger and blah, blah, blah. Everybody's got their own story, basically. But I don't know where it says there are rules that if you vote one way or the other, you have to do it for these reasons. Joe Schmo is like, I've had enough. And this is my chance to do something, yeah. whatever it is, about yeah. it. Where, where does it say that they have it, to have a serious political it, it motive? It really doesn't say that, does it? You know, so, their family's been shafted yeah, for whatever reasons, yeah. and they're going to pass the note. I mean, you know, it, 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 it's all very well for well-heeled people like me. And, of course, I don't even live in Britain anymore, so I'm irrelevant anyway. But it's all very well for people, Two separate issues people there, like <laughs> me um, to say, you know, this is illogical, it's bad for the economy, it's bad for this. But, you know, I don't have the same reasons to be angry. I don't have the same concerns about, you know, whether my children will get jobs. All of these things are very, very real concerns. And the idea that you would take that out, and I think it's ghastly, but it is what happens. You would take that out yeah. on fear of the other, i.e. fear of immigrants. They're coming in, they're taking over. It, it's illogical, in my view. It's dangerous, definitely dangerous in my they, view. That's what they but think. that is what people think. And you can't stop them thinking no, that. No, you can't. And what you need to do is develop a coherent narrative and explain that, you know, it's not the immigrants you want to be worried about. It's the people who bring them in so that they can undercut the wages of the average Joe in the street who, who then says, well, I can't get a job anymore because, you know, they're working for nothing, these people. I mean, that happens to be true. Oh, this is, I mean, the whole, the whole nastiness, let's step away from this blinking Brexit thing, but the whole nastiness in the UK started probably in the 1970s. Well, you, you you can pick a point. I mean, there was there, a time there was a, say, there was a know. lot of nastiness on the streets of London in the nineteen thirties as well. But the immigration against, thing. well against the the wave of immigration of Jewish yeah. people from Eastern Europe. Yeah. So you know, I mean, the, none of this is new, and none of it is unique to Britain. All I'm saying is, how is it going to be channeled? And it's channeled in a nasty, I mean, very nasty way. Seems I mean, to be. you've seen the outbreak of attacks 
and uh, abuse that's being held at immigrants in Britain that, you know... Well, people who look different, Steve. Let's just yeah, make it perfectly yeah. clear. It's not immigrants, necessarily. Well, yeah, but some of them are Poles. I don't know how they, you know, what, what, what fine racial detector, de- detectors they have to, to, well, these, to, to I mean, identify them. But in a community, in a, <clears> don't forget, there's yeah. some tiny weeny communities there. They're going to know exactly who's not, that's you know... True. You that's know, true, that's true, that's true. The bloke who owns this shop yeah. or does the cars or does whatever. They're going to yeah. know exactly who they are. Anyway, let's move on, eh? Let's move on. Well, I mean, there's another um, uh, instance. I mean, we're talking about how the scope for opposition in Hong Kong is is narrowing and how it, it, it's permeating, how the, the collapse of the one country, two systems is permeating everywhere of life. Well, we've seen this business at... Um, people, it, it keeps being reported as PolyU. In fact, it's the PolyU Community College. This is a cracker of a story. Where, where Dr um, Lao Siu Lai, she was... Um, a teacher at the community college in communication and social sciences participated in the Mongkok protests, but which are now sort of being known as the fishbowl revolution. I'm not quite sure why, but anyway. Um, um, and what she basically did was <laughs> this is extraordinary. Mm-hmm. During those protests, she 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 apparently um, set up a stall and started cooking. She was hungry. Uh, <laughs> to make a point, to make a political point. Apparently she did this um, for as long as ten minutes. Now, she was a part-time lecturer. Oh, she was apparently not flying, frying uh, fish balls. She was frying squid, which is completely different, let me tell you, as a food expert. Yes. Uh, completely different. But apparently she's now been sacked from her job. Part-time job at the university because she didn't report her earnings. You can't earnings. be sacked from that. You can just not be used again. Well, no, no, she did have a part-time contract, right. apparently. But, but, but um, uh, because she was moonlighting. Well, I mean, surely if you're part-time, the whole point is <clears throat> that the rest of the time you're going to be doing something else. What is it in the word part that's so difficult to understand? Yeah. So, I mean, this, again, looks like, and you can't be absolutely sure, but it does look like a case of this growing wave of of crackdown on people who are in the pro-democracy movement, you know, if they're employed in in public institutions, saying to them, aha, we found a cunning way to get rid of you, bye. Well, I'll tell you what, Steve, it's a massive QED of what we've been talking about all morning. Uh, It just seems to be a great deflection from the big stuff that's going on down, and it's become a sort of Jobsworth Central. It is, it is, and I think that that if the idea is to weaken the resolve of the democracy movement by saying, you know, that... Uh, locking them up, you're, you're, metaphorically, well, well, metaphorically. Metaphorically, lock, well, there is actual some locking and up real going on. Locking them up. <laughs> but, you know, is, is to say, you know, if, if you want to deal... If you want to be on that side of the fence, you know, the party's over for you. What it actually does is make people more angry. I guarantee to you that the protests tomorrow, the July the 1st counter-protests will be a lot bigger than it was last year. Because, you know... And nobody will know why. And they'll all go, why was that? Oh, and the police will report that ten people turned up. (laughs) (laughs) Because nowadays the police are increasingly being told to act in a political way. Another very, very worrying sign. And the idea that the police should uh, be quite so active in trying to count the, the size of political protests... I don't even know why they're even supposed to do that. Their how, job is to provide... I wonder how anybody l- l- does it, though, actually. Well, well they, they, I've seen them. I have seen them. They, they literally have people standing there counting. 
the the the, the monitor groups have people standing, you know, on bridges. In the road. You sure, but it's still a really it, well, inexact thing, isn't it? It's inexact. I mean, you now have aerial photography as well. There, there are aids to help you do <laughs> You're this. You're not allowed to use drones. You're not allowed <laughs> to use drones, and um, and unless you come up with the right figure, it's really not, 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 just not cricket. Yeah, absolutely. What do you know to be the proposed vibe of this thing tomorrow? Because there's just so much going on, well, so I, many I'm, layers I'm, to it. I mean, it's going to be led by um, one of the booksellers... So that will definitely be a bribe. Uh, be a bribe, be a bribe. <laughs> God, I've got to be careful. Between the lines. You have to be very careful here, don't you? Particularly on live radio. That will definitely be something that, that people will be talking about. I imagine that people will be talking about just the general feeling of, you know, what's going on, you know? When, when cosmetics companies get dragged into the political argument and they shall remain nameless, that would be L'Oreal, um, you, you do wonder how far down the road we've gone. 